You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The truth is that we are in a climate emergency. We have less than 10 years to make substantial changes to our society and way of life and our economy. I want to stress from the outset that this pandemic is far from over. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepker. Now, Boris Johnson is expected to announce a 1% increase in national insurance contributions to pay for adult social care and the NHS in a major tax and spending decision today that already has... Tory MPs and many critics up in arms. The tax hike would break the 2019 Conservative Party manifesto not to raise taxes. Vaccines Minister Nadeem Zahawi admits it's not something he's comfortable with. I want to meet every single manifesto promise that we make. That's the right thing to do. Um, We have gone through an unprecedented shock to the economy because of the global pandemic and we've had to deal with it and make some really, really tough decisions. Well, Boris Johnson said in a statement on Monday that he would not duck the tough decisions needed to fix the NHS and a broken social care system. Whilst the funding's being discussed, little is known of how social care, an issue for successive governments over decades, would be reformed to deliver better care for the elderly and adults with care needs. The Prime Minister's common statement will be followed by a joint press conference with the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, and the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid. Well, according to the Institute for Public Policy Research, today's announcement will do little to ensure that social care provides people significantly enhanced lives. Well, joining us now is the IPPR's Senior Research Fellow, Chris Thomas. Thanks so much for being with us, Chris. Um, We don't yet have all the details of this social care plan, but do you think that it could fix adult social care in England, at least? Hi, Caroline. Lovely to be here. Um... You're right. What we what we lack at the moment is detail. What we do know is that the Prime Minister is planning to give that detail later today. And what we're expecting is a plan to fix catastrophic care costs. And that's where people generate over £100,000 of costs for their social care over their lives, often leading them to, to have to sell their home. In terms of this plan, if we do see what we're expecting, which is a much more generous cap on social care costs, then we address one of the key problems in the sector. So that's the fact that people do have to pay their so, uh, to sell their homes, which is unjust. But what we won't see is something that fundamentally makes social care better quality, so leads people to le- lead really flourishing lives. And that's a really important aspect too. 
So what we need is detail on not just how the Prime Minister is going to achieve his commitment that no one has to sell their home, but also how he's going to achieve better quality lives for those people who do come to need social care throughout their lives. What are the key things that you'd like to see? You've done a lot of work on this. What are the the key pillars that you'd like to see put in place to reform social care? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think we need to look at what the what the kind of challenges we are that we face. And you can think of maybe around four, uh, four big challenges that social care faces today. The first is uh, quality. So are people getting the right quality of care? The second is, are people involved in their care? Is it being done with them rather than to them? The third is workforce. Are workers well paid, staying in their jobs, progressing and delivering great services? And the fourth is cost. So are people selling their homes? I think it's really important we do address costs, so the idea of a cap is very welcome. But you need to address the other things too, and that leads us to think that actually a really good thing for the the Prime Minister, the Chancellor, to think about is bringing more care into people's homes and communities, so away from institutions and into places people call home. Mm. Uh, So we'd like to see there be an investment in, in the amount of care that's done at home, but also the quality of that care. There are great innovations out there. Other countries are doing really remarkable things on care at home. And we should look to leverage that as part of this. Okay. Um, that, that's really important. Yes, I, it is, um, you know, for people who need that care and their families uh, and also for wider society. But look, what about the need for this money, however much it turns out to be, for it to be ring-fenced? Because there's also an issue with, um, you know, this announcement, which is NHS funding and social care funding, perhaps hand in hand. Could the social care money just be absorbed by the NHS? Yeah, I think I think there's there's obviously a risk that this funding doesn't go into the social care system, and 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 the ultimate priority must be that social care gets the funding it desperately needs. We've waited a long time now for reforms to come. There's been lots of failed attempts, so getting reforms into social care is really important. I think what we probably need to avoid is the idea that the NHS and the social care system should be pitted against each other. It's it's absolutely true that the NHS needs money as well, both to get through the impact of COVID-19 and to make sure that standards increase even beyond where we were in 2019. Um, And that means that I think we need to separate the funding question from the how the money is used question. It's really important Mm. whatever funding mechanism the government choose raises enough to meet the needs of the NHS and social care and doesn't put them into some zero-sum competition that's not very helpful to people and patients and service users. Chris, thank you so much for your time and explaining that detail. Chris Thomas is Senior Research Fellow at the Institute for Public Policy Research. So those are some of the things we want to see from social care, but how do we pay for it? Well, let's get a view now uh, from business. As for the potential increase in national insurance, the heavily uh, rumoured way that the government is favouring on this, uh, a range of critics are opposed to the plan. Remember, these national insurance contributions will be paid not just by uh, employees, but also by employers. Uh, Trade unions want wealth taxes. Uh, Generation rent, the lobby group, see it as another penalty for younger people to save older people's homes and the Institute of Directors calls the increase illogical uh, in the recovery. Well let's speak now to Mike Cherry from the Federation of Small Businesses. Thanks uh, so much for joining us. Um, You say that the tax rise could cost businesses between three and three and a half billion pounds. If we don't raise this uh, from businesses uh, how else should we find that money? Well, that is clearly a debate that the government has uh, been undertaking. We don't believe that the way that this is now being uh, rumoured is the right way to do it. Um, 
from what our members say in the sector, there are still significant issues that are unlikely to be addressed by the proposals that uh, we believe will be announced later on. Uh, and fundamentally, even in normal times, um, this sort of increase in national insurance has always led to fewer jobs, less economic growth and lower tax revenues. We saw this when it went into double figures. It's now 13.8% for the employer uh, and increases uh, for the employees as well. And this is at a time when we are coming out of the most severe issue, the pandemic that we have seen in our lifetimes. Um, we're looking to support thousands of businesses as they get back to some sort of normal trading. And so it's the wrong way to do it, we believe, and yeah. the wrong time to do it. Okay. Um but I suppose the argument would be that business has benefited from government largesse, if you want to see it that way, in terms of the furlough scheme. The recovery is happening, in fact, happening more quickly than a lot of people thought. Um, and, you know, certainly when it comes to NHS funding, there isn't really much choice about funding the NHS post um, the pandemic, huge backlog of cases. So there's no choice. Business has to stump up. Well, I don't believe that business does have to stump up, neither should business have to stump up. Uh, there are other proposals that the government has looked at over the last decade, uh, whether it be not, whether it be Damien Green's ideas, uh, whether it be others that come forward on the table. To use a sledgehammer on, on businesses and the lowest paid, we don't believe is the right way. When we are looking for growth, when we are looking for job creation, when we are looking for economic recovery, to slap a massive hike on national insurance is not going to deliver, we believe, either what the government needs for the economics, nor for the NHS and the uh, care home sector. Um, there need to be better ways and other ways of doing this. Uh, and clearly, you know, we're already seeing very, very significant price increases coming through with pressures on the supply chains. And um, that is going to hit people in their pockets this is also going to hit people in the lowest paid jobs in their pockets and it's unlikely to lead to businesses uh, creating the jobs and that uh, economic recovery uh, as much as we would have hoped. Not many people have their hands up to pay more tax, but the past uh, 10 years, I'm sure you'll agree, has seen a pretty big uh, cut in rates of uh, corporation tax uh, but income tax has been left where it was before isn't it only fair that that business uh, chip in a bit more well to be quite frank um, i think there's a, a more fundamental discussion that needs to be had on this if business pays let's not forget that not only by increasing the cost of business which automatically will have to be passed in this instance onto prices um, which also then attract vat um, that is a huge impact on people in their pockets. Yes, of course, we very much welcome the furlough scheme, but that is because it has protected the jobs so that people aren't put onto the uh, dole and have to be supported fully by the public um, taxation. And we need to get away from that idea and creating the economic environment in which businesses can actually grow create more jobs, particularly for young people and for those in the lower pay sector, and increase the rates they get, which we believe will actually result in greater tax revenue for the government, then it can decide how it best sorts out the uh, care requirements alongside the reforms.
It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. But first, let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. Higher prices are starting to hit the high street. UK retail sales lost momentum in August, with the value of goods sold in shops and online growing 3% in August compared to the previous year. That was a slowing of the rate. That's according to data from the British Retail Consortium and KPMG, with both shops and consumers pointing to concerns over rising prices. Staffing pressures and shortages of raw materials have meant that some stores have had availability issues or been forced to hike prices. Mm, So that on retail sales. Meanwhile, the lobby group, the City UK, is warning London's future in the global financial system is in peril. It says that the city's position will be eroded further without changes to taxes, visas and international investment. The City UK says that there are already signs that the industry is losing ground to other hubs, particularly those in Asia. It wants the government to make high-skilled worker visas easier to get and for the tax burden on the sector to be cut. Well, how to find £10 billion without adding to the country's debt pile? That's the challenge that the government's been facing as it looks to plug a long-standing and very large hole in the funding of social care for older people. Well, at the last election, the Conservative manifesto promised no increases in the rate of income tax, VAT or national insurance. We'll get the details later on what Boris Johnson is proposing, but it's heavily rumoured the government is leaning towards a hike in national insurance to raise the money that it needs for adult social care in the NHS. Let's discuss this with Richard Murphy, who is Professor of Accounting at Sheffield University and also the Director of uh, Tax Research. Richard, welcome to the programme. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, You've made it very clear on your blog that increasing national insurance would not be a good option. Why? Well, I wouldn't increase national insurance because, frankly, national insurance is a tax that is anyway past its sell-by date, bluntly designed in 1945 for a very different world from the one that we now live in. Um, It's an extremely regressive tax overall. I know this is debated, but actually up to to about 50,000 of income. It looks progressive, but after that becomes deeply regressive. So it's very unfair to those on lower incomes and very generous to those on higher incomes. It doesn't charge uh, NIC on pensioners, although we hear rumour that that's going to change today and that they are going to pay this, which is a massive administrative burden for pension funds about to hit them and wholly unnecessarily. But there are simply better options if, and I make this point first of all, if we actually do need to fund this change at present, because I don't believe that there is any additional cost to the government at present from simply not funding this. The cost of government borrowing is being covered by the Bank of England through the QE programme. That does not add to national debt. It creates more currency in circulation on central bank reserve accounts. And the government has, so far this year, borrowed £26 less than it forecast in only March. So therefore, what is the urgent need for £10 now? As a political narrative, it seems to make no sense. And if we were going to have an increase, the last tax you'll want to increase would be national insurance. We've just been hearing from the uh, Federation of Small Businesses, and they say that uh, employers' national insurance is is very much a a tax on jobs. Do do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Look, I'm I'm a chartered accountant as well as being a professor of accounting, and in my time I've run many businesses, including 
being senior partner of an accounting practice, so I have a lot of experience of employing people. And yet it really is a disincentive to employment. Add yet another 1.25% to the employer's rate, which is already 13.8%. We've got 15%, just over 15% tax on employing people. That's a lot of money. It's a real disincentive to employment. And although there's lots of talk of there being labour shortages in the economy at present, we actually have very high effective rates of unemployment as well. We have a massive skills mismatch. But whilst we tax people to actually bring people into employment and give them training, and that is what effectively national insurance does, and it's going to get worse, we're not going to solve that fundamental problem of having the right skill set available in the UK economy to provide for future growth and development. Um, this is wrong at every level then. Okay, uh, but the yes, I understand that the bill from the pandemic for the government in terms of debt is smaller than expected, but it is still huge. And the NHS has suffered from years of austerity. And if you listen to health experts, they say that the NHS desperately needs huge amounts of money, not just in the next six months of the pandemic, but also in many years to come to deal with the millions, maybe even in double digit millions of people, uh, you know, who want care, knee replacements, all the rest of it. So there does need to be surely more money for the NHS as well as social care. How would you raise that money? Well, I would raise it from wealth. Now, let's be clear, wealth has risen dramatically in the UK over the last decade. I've done work on ONS data, Office for National Statistics data, from 2011 to 2018. This data always tends to lag behind where we are in real time. But over that period, UK national income was £13.2 trillion, and the increase in wealth was over £5 trillion. Now, quite clearly, not all that increase in wealth came from saving. It came from asset price inflation, the consequence, for example, of quantitative easing. What we are seeing is a situation where if we combine the increase in wealth of the deciles who enjoy income in the UK, so from the very lowest to the very highest earners, and we combine their wealth increases and their income from all sources, the effective tax rate on the lowest paid is 42%. The effective tax rate on the very highest paid is under 18%. So there is an enormous capacity to charge more tax on wealth in the UK. I'm not actually proposing a wealth tax. I think there are many things we can do, first of all. If we had to do national insurance, I would remove the cap at which um, national insurance rates fall from 12% now to 2%. Um, If you did that right across the higher income bands, you could raise $14 billion of tax. I've done the calculations. If you did it from 100,000, you could raise 10 billion. If you did it from 300,000, you could raise 5 billion. Is anyone really going to think that that's desperately unfair to raise the 5 billion that actually is going to be raised from the lowest paid earners right now from the highest paid earners? I doubt it. What else could we do, though? We could equalise capital gains tax rates with income tax. Of course, Nigel Lawson did that. That could raise about £9 billion a year. OK, there may be some small behavioural consequences, but I doubt they'll be that big. So around £9 billion from that source, we could have an investment income surcharge. An investment income surcharge was something mm. that existed until um, to, uh, 1985, yeah. and it was 15% extra tax on investment income precisely because there was no national insurance on investment income. And that 
would raise something like 10 billion a year. In other words, there's lots of options available. And all of them, frankly, are fair because the wealthiest pay the lowest rates of tax in this country. So then if it makes, I mean, it seems to make obvious sense to you, and I hear, and I have heard this argument before of, of increasing wealth taxes. The TUC has called for this too, or taxation on the wealthier people in society. Why is Johnson choosing to do it this way if it makes so much more sense um, and, as you say, is, is fairer? Well, I would actually come out with two answers. One is in an article I wrote for the Daily Mirror at the weekend, which simply describe what they're doing as class warfare. And we're used to there being descriptions of the left doing class warfare. Actually, I think that's what what we are exactly seeing. There's an obvious inherent bias in this proposal towards the wealthy. And there's an inherent bias against those who are on low incomes. And we've seen that because, for example, at exactly the same time as this charge is planned, £20 a week is being withdrawn from those on universal credit. And we know that fuel bills are going to go up by roughly £150 per household this winter. We are seeing a massive assault on the incomes of the lowest paid. You can't describe that as anything but political. So Johnson is choosing where his he believes his followers are and pandering to their whims. He doesn't believe the lowest paid will vote for him. So he's going to hit them with a tax charge. He isn't going to hit the middle and high earners with that same charge. I think this is politics. So that's all it comes down to. It seems it's pretty unpopular with his uh, Red Wall Northern MPs. They don't think this is uh, a good idea either, do they? I'm, I'm not at all surprised. I think actually in the Red Wall, where, remember, a lot more people than average are earning average or lower pay, This, I suspect, is deeply unpopular because I've just mentioned all the other things that are going to be hit there. They are going to suffer real losses of household income at the same time as we face the risk, and I heard it mentioned just now, of some inflation because of of shortages. I don't think there's a risk of long-term inflation. I do think there's a risk of short-term inflation with regard to food and some other costs. So put all that together, and we're heading Mm -hmm. for a ghastly situation for low-income households in this country. Frankly... I think he's walked straight into a bear pit and fallen flat on his face into it, and they're going to deeply regret what they're doing today. If I had been in the cabinet, I would have been amongst those objecting to this very strongly. And if I was a Red Wall MP, I would be massively concerned about my chance of keeping my seat. What about the intergenerational issue here? Because that's the other one that has has perhaps come to the fore more even than you know the issues that you've raised around class warfare. It's about the generational issue, briefly. Well, there is a big issue around intergenerational. Obviously, younger people, relatively speaking, are going to be hit hard by all these charges than are those who are now retired. And as somebody who is 63 and therefore not long from retirement age officially, because I'm not planning to retire anytime soon, I am also well aware of all the advantages of being a baby boomer. You know, frankly, I look at my children and think, how the heck are you going to buy a house? Where is this going to come from, given the disparities of wealth within the country? There's nothing in this to help tackle that. That is why the emphasis on taxation, for simple social reasons, and because we need the stimulus of consumption to keep some parts of the economy going, and the richest don't spend, because, well, that's why they're rich, by the way. They're rich because they don't spend. It follows on. They have a low marginal propensity to consume. We need to actually have them pay the taxes because they are the people who can afford to pay with least cost to society from extracting this money from the economy as a whole. So thank you. Everything wrong in economic and tax terms.
Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.